You're listening to Comedy Central. Puma, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Trevor. Uh, you have lived a life that is, I mean, just in, in proximity to action all the time. I mean, just, just listening to this, you know, when I was going through it again, it's, it's you, you, you were by somebody's side who was running for president twice. Um, you know, you were somebody's side, well, she was um, serving as Secretary of State, as Senator of New York, and you had to wake that same person up <laughs> from bed when she was first lady. The person I'm talking about, of course, is Hillary Clinton. Let's talk about that first. How do you wake up a sleeping first lady? <laughs> so, first of all, I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you today. And I, um, yes, when I walked into the White House, I was a 21-year-old intern. I didn't exactly know what I was doing. And there was very much, at least in the Clinton administration, the sink or swim attitudes. They kind of threw you into it. And so this was the midst of her Senate campaign. She was right, the first lady right. running for the Senate. And one morning, the White House operator says, well, she's not responding. Now, as somebody who had followed all the rules. One of the first learned rules you learn in the White House is fail to plan, plan to fail. And I had a plan. The plan was that she was going to wake up. So I didn't know how to wake her up. So I decided to march into the hallway. I tiptoe in the back. <laughs> I knock on the door and I say, Mrs. Clinton, no response. So finally I open the door, tiptoe in and shake her really hard. And not only did I wake her up, I woke up the leader of the free world and <laughs> the ghost of Lincoln, the entire house was alerted. And the funniest thing about the story is that she gets up, she gets in the chair to get her makeup done. And she turns to me and she says, Huma, next time, just knock louder. Yeah, that was a big jump <laughs> from knock softly, shake your ass. Exactly. That's like a big jump. I learned a lesson that day. Okay. And okay. now I always knock louder. I mean, I, I like haven't that. had to do it for a while, but that's a lesson I, like I that. pass on. Yeah, just like it's incremental steps, the journey <laughs> exactly. of Huma Abedin. Um, we had a lot of fun, that's for sure. It does, it does sound like that. I mean, you, you've had a really interesting relationship with Hillary Clinton, mm. who is, you know, in, in America, I mean, a person who will go down in history. Like, people will love her, people will hate her, people right. will talk about her. You, you've seen sides of her that nobody else will. And what, what I really enjoyed in your book is you talk about seeing those sides of Hillary mm -hmm. and you talk about how difficult it was for Hillary to navigate the journey of being perfect and like talking perfectly and looking perfect. It seems like there was no, there was no way to win. When you were doing that, when you were trying to create the perfect image of a Hillary Clinton, like where was this external pressure coming from? You know, Trevor, so much of it is hindsight is 2020. When we were in it in the moment, there was no perfect way to be. And one of our challenges, I actually write in 2008, we, even on the inside, we didn't know how to deal with some of the sexist and misogynistic uh, comments, so we just laughed around along with it. We just assumed this was the price you paid for mm. being in the game. So if you said she should wear brown, we'd wear brown. If you said she should talk louder, okay, let's try to talk louder. And it was constantly shape-shifting, if you will, responding to people's comments, but nothing was ever right. And I think 2016 was next level in that here we were and everybody had a different, uh, everyone had a different response. And I actually share a story in the book with a Hollywood director right. calls me and says, you know, I'm gonna give her some media training. And I said, well, give me an idea of who she should be like. And they said, well, her husband. And I said, well, excellent. Anybody else? President Obama, both phenomenal communicators, right. you know, legendary communicators, both men. And so we could never quite get it right. We kept trying. And I think that it's in part because we have a hard time seeing women in leadership. Right. Forget commander in chief, Trevor. Just seeing women in leadership positions. And I agree with you. Not everyone's going to necessarily agree with everything Hillary right, Clinton right, believes. Right, 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 yeah. But she is a historic figure for this country and the world. And she tried to 
pave the way forward and she's got some cracks in that ceiling and somebody's going to step in those shoes. And in fact, we have a vice president who stepped in those shoes. Right, right, who's also being criticized for how she laughs or how she doesn't laugh. You know, there seems to be a fine line that can, like no one can really walk perfectly. Right. Um, you, you have faced a lot of that criticism. You have faced, you, you know, I think a lot of extra scrutiny because you're not just a woman, but you're also a Muslim woman. You're a Muslim woman who's been working in American government for so long. Reading through the book, there were things I didn't know about you. I was like, wow, I didn't know that you had your moments of, you know, being the terrorist mm -hmm. that people were talking about. Actual, you know, sitting members of Congress saying like, oh, there she is, the member of this organization, the member. Do you think it got better or, or do you think it just, you know, went underground for a little bit? Because you're seeing this, you know, with Lauren Boebert, for instance, now coming and saying Ilhan Omar, the, you know, Absolutely. the backpack in, the, in, in, in the, the elevator. Do you think it got better as a Muslim person working in government or do you think it just shifted maybe? I actually think that what happened to me in 2012, as you were referring, where five Republican members of Congress suggested I was essentially a spy, not a patriot. Yeah. I was that American, Trevor, that as I traveled the world as a little girl, and we went everywhere from South Africa to London to Paris to Asia, every time we landed, I would turn to my mother and say, is it America yet? Why? Because to me, America wasn't just a place that you could go to a movie theater, things I didn't have back in Saudi Arabia, or you could wear what you wanted. It was a feeling. Mm. It was a sense of choice and optimism and appreciation for you know, those principles and values. So I've always walked with great pride as an American. I do think when they accused me of being essentially a spy, it was unleashing, I think it was an appetizer, Trevor, to what we were to face in 2016, when certainly Muslims and many brown people became the other. And I'm not just saying my kind of brown, generally, if you right, were a right, person right. of color, you were the other and they succeeded in doing it. I think it unleashed, I think Donald Trump unleashed permission to have this kind of dialogue and conversation. It's one of the many reasons I wrote this book is to explain to the country what it is to be an American Muslim. It's not just heart-wrenching, but it's also really vulnerable how you share your story. You know, your name really just rose to prominence in the country with the Anthony Weiner story, your ex-husband. And I remember at the time, I mean, I wasn't familiar with American politics, but the story was blowing up. A lot of the women who I worked with, they were just like, oh man, this is so shitty. Like, as women, we, we have to deal with the shit that our men do. We have to bear their shame as well. And you, you, you really lay it out elegantly and, and vulnerably in the book. But what was really surprising to me is at the end of the book, you acknowledge and thank your ex-husband. And I'd love to know why you did that and, and if that was a true feeling that you had or if you thought, no, this is the high road that I need to take. Um, you know, I do acknowledge Anthony in the end of the book. And the reason I do that is two things. The first is he gave me the single most important thing in my life. That's my little boy. Um, and he gave me that sense of feeling. I know what it is to be loved. And if yeah. you read the book, to feel like the most special person in the room. I didn't have a lot of experience with men before I, I met Anthony. And I wanted to be seen not as, even though I have a whole chapter in the book called Elephant in the Room and right. another one called Shame, Shame, Go Away. Even though I did live with a lot of shame and felt judged for much of my marriage, I tried to make every decision I thought was right for me and for my little boy. Mm. And I've actually been surprised by the number of people who've read the book and read to the end, seeing how I made these decisions as it related to my marriage, saying, okay, I understand, now I get it. And I think people who have in their life loved ones who deal with addiction or mental health challenges, they understand. For people who don't, it's harder. And so I'm really glad, I'm, 
I'm very humbled to hear people understand it once they read the story and see that there is another side. There is hope and possibility and optimism. Well, to be honest with you, I think everybody does understand. I just think as human beings, it is easier for us to judge a situation that is happening outside of us because when we're not in love or when we don't love somebody or we're not experiencing a negative thing with a loved one, the, 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 the answer is obvious. You know, so you go, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. That's what I, it's like when we're watching a TV show, you know what all the characters should do, but you're, you're the character in your own TV show. And then you never know what to do from episode to episode. Trevor, that is so beautifully said. Yeah. I I could not agree more. You're you're right. When you're judging somebody else, if you're in that position, would you actually do the same thing? It's it's so easy because you're watching it. You know, that's, that's what it is. Huma, thank you so much for joining me. Trevor, thank you for having me. All right, people. Huma's book, both slash and, is available wherever books are sold. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.